I think I'm all set up again. I've got my, I've got Audacity. I don't really remember how to do this, but I have Audacity up and it's recording. We don't even have an outline. It's been like 600 years since we've done this. So this is, this is going to be like the, this is going to be perfect is what it's going to be. Welcome to Game Life Balance US, a lifestyle podcast about how to be a grown-up gamer and still go to work and get sleep. With your hosts, Cody Goff, and Jonathan Martin. You're going to be my meat in my Jonathan sandwich. Check out our website at gamelifebalance.us, where you can subscribe on iTunes, Stitcher, Google Play Music, YouTube, and more. I'm Chris Farrell from the All Things Good and Nerdy podcast, a wacky weekend morning show, part of the Gunna Geek Network, just like the show you're checking out right now. Shows on the network are individually owned, and the opinions expressed may not reflect others. Find other awesome geeky shows over at GunnaGeekNetwork.com. Welcome to Game Life Balance US, a bi-weekly video game podcast where every two weeks, John Martin and I talk about balancing games in life. But this is, of course, our, uh, you know, we haven't seen you in a couple of weeks. That's <laughs> a couple of weeks, right? Been a couple of weeks. So for me, so you you took it upon yourself for our podcast to post a couple episodes over the past couple of years? Several Was months. It? Several months. I'm sorry. Time has gone by very quickly. Past several months, you have posted some podcasts, um, which I very much appreciate. This is my first time back, and it's probably been like, in like six months, so I don't really know what I'm doing. Do you know the real date? I really that- don't. I really don't know the last time that I was on that I was on a podcast. I do know that. Uh, so I had I had basically like a podcasting setup downstairs in my basement that is no longer there. We have literally like torn that apart, and so that's not even available in the basement. So it moved back upstairs to the office, which is uh, like that's a significant change in the house since the last time I podcast. Um, I had to dig out my podcasting equipment out of a drawer. So that means it's been a while. Uh, so yeah, I, I don't actually know the date. I think I've had three other kids since the last time we podcast. Three other. That's so many. Today is July 13th, 2019. This is the first podcast we've done in 2019 together. Okay, so we have to make up for lost time is what you're saying. So does that mean we're going to be doing a podcast every day for the next six months? 12 months. I can commit to that. Can you? I can commit to that. What happened? Let's tell, let's like, let's fill in the listener on why we haven't done an episode in eight months. Sure. I'll be honest. Seven? Hold on. January, February, March, April, May, July. Okay, seven months. Seven months. Yeah. Okay, so I know we like to, you know, the, the podcast is called Game Life Balance. We like to talk about trying to balance our real lives with also having having other things going on and trying to play video games at the same time. Um, I, you know, when you have kids, especially like infants, um, to like the outside world, it's like, oh, it's it's so busy. I'm sure it's crazy busy with kids. But to be perfectly honest, like you you kind of have to be really regimented with children in, in almost all circumstances. So like, you know, I've, I've got two kids. I've now have a one-year-old and, and a five-year-old. Um, if you don't know, by the way, I'm Jonathan. Did you, did you introduce me? You didn't, you didn't need introduction. There's no introduction. Perfect. Okay. So, uh, that's right. And I don't have a last name either. Just like Cher. I just go by Jonathan. Martin. So yeah, I go by Jonathan Jonathan Martin, Martin, all one word. 
all one word, just like Cher. Uh, her actual name is Cher Cher, right? But she just, anyway, um, you don't actually, so you actually have more free time sometimes than, than I think the outside world, especially people without kids understand because, you know, I've got two kids, Henry and Max, Henry's one, Max is five. And, uh, and Henry's bedtime is, is pretty strictly 6.30. Generally, he's in bed somewhere between 6.30 and 7.30. And Max's bedtime, or 6.30 and 7. And Max's bedtime is pretty strictly 7.30. And he's generally in bed sometime between 7.30 and 8. And then, like, there's time after that. That's just, it's not like I'm going anywhere after 8 o'clock because I've got children in bed. So it's actually, like, most nights are are free. And I've been playing a lot of video games with that time. Um, because Henry's one, right? And he's not like, he's not going to be ready to stay home by himself for at least another year. So, um, uh, give him a little credit, maybe nine months. So I've actually had more time to like play video games and do stuff like this. What I think happened is I think you got crazy busy with your award-winning podcast. So I'm kind of plugging your award-winning podcast here at the top of the show. I think, I think you just got really busy. See, and I thought you just got really busy. I think that I think that this thing that happens with with people and uh, adults, and, a, adults that that aren't living like I don't know next door to each other. Well, I'm yeah. There's the because I mean, you, like, look, I complain a lot about how busy or overly scheduled. I guess I am sometimes. And you probably look at that and you're like, well, I'm not gonna push through the podcast because like. I'm kind of busy too. Considering that you tell me sometimes that you've worked like 45 hours by Wednesday, it's like there probably wasn't a lot of time over the course of that week, right? This week I only worked 32 hours at the end of Wednesday, which was too much. It was too many hours. Yeah, no, I mean, and production's been, it's been tough. Um, even, so even for this podcast, believe it or not, I actually interviewed a, a professor from Cornell University about music and video games like a month ago, literally, sure. for this show. Because I had a contact there and and um, I got a guest pitch and I was like, it actually makes the most sense for my video game podcast. Um, yeah, yeah. Have you heard that yet? Because no, no one has. Because was I your was your had... contact Andy Bernard at it, Cornell? Did he sing a cappella? How did you know that? It's an office joke. You 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 wouldn't get it because you don't no. Watch it's the it's office. a the office joke. It's a the office joke. You wouldn't get it. I would but, get it. I got it. You got, well, good for you. I'm proud of you. Thank you. So, but like, yeah, to. To my point, uh, that, like when I'm editing and, and recording and scripting podcasts um, all day, every day, uh, leaves little time to script and record, record and edit more other other podcasts. Sure, yeah. So, but you'll see that soon. Um, and you know the, way, the old, you know the old saying: it, uh, "Do do what you love, and you'll work every day of your life and have existential dread uh, that." Um, you may be falling out of love with the the thing that you love, right? That's the that's the old saying. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. So yeah, yeah I, I appreciate what you do. Um, thanks. I yeah, was that was and that your ex and your existential dread? I appreciate that as well. I, I gotta have a little ex gotta have a little existential dread. Um, so uh, but 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 it's not a, so. It's, but like I'm not a, I'm not one of those millennials that like brags about how busy they are like i don't think it's cool like i actually hate um being too like occupied with things uh for the most part i mean it's nice to have a nice social uh, an active social calendar which i totally do but um yeah no i'm it's not like oh man i've 50 hours look how cool i am like i i, I kind of loathe that 
uh, and I'm hoping to remedy that um, soon uh, by by achieving a better work-life balance, uh, which then in turn will turn into a game-life balance because I've been struck by the fact that every time we're texting with our friends, it's you're just like, oh, I just finished like some other new game. And mm-hmm. I'm just like, How John? John has literally has two kids and one is like a very baby child baby it's true thing. so so Tiny. we yeah so we um you know we we've podcasted a lot in the past but it's if it's been a long time since you've seen us if this is your first time coming to us welcome um a couple things about the way i run my schedule in my life i actually wake up at four o'clock in the morning which oh i have talked about plenty of times but generally on weekdays monday through friday i'm up at four weekends i'm up at six because that's when my kids get up uh, but when i get up at four I do that intentionally so that I have kind of quiet time to myself. Most of the time that is used playing video games, right? Like that's kind of like my time to myself to play video games. Then I'll exercise in the morning before my kids get up. After they go to bed is kind of free for all. Either sometimes, you know, my wife and I'll like watch a show or something together. If she's not interested in doing that or if she's got to work, generally I'll play video games after house stuff is done, right? And so like that's where my time is coming from to play video games. But how, when you go to bed, 10. Okay. I, I have a pretty, like I said, I have a pretty strict schedule yeah. in terms of how I run my life. Because your so. kids get up at four? Is that what no, you No, 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 no. My kids get up at six. I get up at four so that I can play, you know, all of these games that I keep telling you about. You have so much discipline in terms of having fun. It's great. It's I, otherwise, nice. I, otherwise, I would never have fun, right? <laughs> I have to schedule fun into my life. How fun does that sound? That is fair. That is fair. All right. Well, yeah. with with the intros and reintroductions out of the way, uh, I will say that this episode of Game Life Balance US is going to be a format called Stream of Nonsense. It is a type of episode I came up with by myself that I did wow. not borrow from another show. Wow. Yeah. I've never heard of this before. That's yeah. incredible. Yeah. Every 60th episode of the Game Life Balance US podcast is a Stream of Nonsense episode. So um, this is episode 60. That's incredible. The- That's, you know what? We finally got there for our first one. Yeah, yeah, yeah. No, it's... um. We talked about this from the inception of the show and said, hey, in three years, we're going to have our first Stream of Nonsense episode. Right, yeah. So Stream of Nonsense is where we kind of break our format. You know, in our last episode, um, actually, it wasn't even our last episode because um, we promoted it before. In our episode on either August 15th, 15th or November 4th. My God. On um, when is the last time we did a Super it's, Nintendo game? I'm looking at our Oh yeah, we were doing that, weren't we? We did that for a while. This is going this is going very well. All right. So for a while. So John and I both got an SNES classic mini. It was kind of awesome too. It was great. And then it early like late 2017, early 18, we were like, okay, every episode will review a game. The mm-hmm. last time we did that was April 17th, 2018. <laughs> so, so we're a little behind. We're a little behind. And we teased that we were going to review Super Punch-Out next. Uh-huh. Um, so let's we, get to it. So Cody, <laughs> how is Super Punch-Out? Did you ever beat it? I never even started it. Let's be honest. I never, I never <laughs> even got there. But I will say the SNES Classic is currently hooked up on the Three Season Forge. I could play it whenever I wanted. Oh man! So we're there. We're good. I'm ready. I'm ready. In six months, when we record our next podcast, we will talk about Super Punch Out. Uh, we ne- neither of us were excited about that game, and I yeah. think given you know, well, for you it sounds like you still have time to play every game ever. For me, like you know, any 
rare second I get to actually sit down and play video games, I don't want to spend playing Super Punch Out. Yeah, speaking of, let's let's get right into it then. I want to talk about what you've been playing because it's the same as what we've talked about. Maybe, I don't know, it probably was last episode of this show. Um, could have been the last six episodes of the show we did together. Uh, but a new expansion for Final Fantasy XIV came mm -hmm. out like a week ago, a week and a half ago, something like that. Oh, my God. It is. Well, I had early access, so I think I got it June 30th or something. So it's been about two weeks for me. About, about two weeks. So a new expansion just came out for Final Fantasy XIV called Shadowbringers. I know a little bit about it because I've been reading about it online, but uh, certainly not what you will know about it as somebody with firsthand experience. So let's shelf the conversation about Punch-Out because we're probably not going to be talking about the SNES Classic for a while. Let's talk about Final Fantasy XIV. What's new? How is it? Yeah, I'm into that. And I don't want to turn off people right away right now that don't play massively multiplayer online RPGs because mm -hmm. I realize MMOs are not for everybody. And Final Fantasy isn't for anybody, isn't for everybody. Which... Anybody. No, no, no. You said it right the first time. <laughs> Final Fantasy is not for anybody. Final Fantasy is not for certain Australians that will remain unnamed, which I find quite upsetting. But we will we will uh, we'll leave their nonsense out of this. Mm -hmm. Let's just say that. So, um, yeah, uh, Final Fantasy 14 Shadowbringers. So if you've ever listened to this podcast before, you know that I started my MMO journey. It'll be three years next month, I think, based on my subscription, um, renewal and length of subscription. So, And am I right that in those three years, you have played through all of the expansion, the stories of the expansions up to this point? Yeah, yeah. Okay. When Shadowbringers came out, this was... So Heaven's Ward was the first expansion, um, and they were developing the second expansion. I think the second expansion might have come out before I even finished the Heaven's Ward content. Then the second expansion came out, um, Stormblood, and it, it was fine. It wasn't as... I didn't think it was quite as good as Heaven's Ward, but it was fine, so I played that, and then mm -hmm. that happened, and then uh, I was all ready for already for Shadowbringers, and then it came out a couple weeks ago, and uh, it's it's very good so far. It's just very different than than other expansions, and it's, it's also, it's very Final Fantasy. So if you do like Final Fantasy, what's interesting is, and I haven't finished it yet, I'm about two-thirds of the way through, okay. but uh, maybe half, but half to two-thirds of the way through. What I've heard everywhere is that it's kind of rewriting the rules of MMOs a little bit, and it feels, really the story so far has felt like a just a Final Fantasy game. Um, yeah, no, you said, has, but you like, said that this is your first, this is your first adventure into MMOs and I have a little more experience than you do with them. And just for, for slight reference for anybody that's tried MMOs before, the thing that makes Final Fantasy 14 different are, is that it, it really puts you as the character at the forefront of the story and everything in the story happens around you. Whereas generally in other MMOs, stuff happens that they have written with other player other npcs and you are kind of witness to the story that they have written but in final fantasy 14 you are really the driver of the story you are the one that is affecting the change in the world right um and the story centers all completely on you and it's it's a it's a different way to write a story in an mmo that kind of is probably it's probably more engaging in terms of the story yeah and well and what i have realized recently is I think Final Fantasy XIV is a science fiction game set in a fantasy setting, not just a straight fantasy game. Um, and I think that for a couple reasons. 
first of all, they there's this kind of magic in the world, the ether that a e t h e r that uh, that has that, that plays a really vital role in a lot of different ways. But they explain how it works pr pretty thoroughly. It follows a very precise scientific logic. You learn about different principles of ether as you go through the game, and it, it kind of expands on that. It's not like Harry Potter, where it's like, okay, I say Wingardium Leviosa, and then there's like a spell. Like, okay, why does that happen? Oh, because it's magic. Cool. It's because you swished and flicked. Right. Exactly. So, like, th it really gets into ether, and then it's like, oh, well, here's a here's a component, and here's an object with ethereal properties, and let's infuse ether into this, and then, oh, wait, but you can summon primals using this, but, oh, here's another way of summoning it. Oh, we didn't know that, so... Now I need to know about it. It, it really, it really explains it all. And um, there's another thing I read forever ago. You, you, you know a lot of fantasy and sci-fi, and I don't remember where I even heard this. Maybe in English class in high school, but I guess a thing that separates fantasy with science fiction is a lot of times science fiction shows some kind of growth in maybe like making the world better or in learning something new, whereas fantasy is more maybe like a quest or an epic. And maybe you you get a grail or you defeat a villain or something, but by and large, for the most part, the world isn't really like fundamentally changed. Like at the end of Game of Thrones, Westeros is you know who is in charge changes, but it's still like same technology, same kind of like world. Same with like even Lord of the Rings, like even with the Shire Reckoning and stuff. It's like okay, they go off, they do the thing, and they come back, but like the world is kind of the same in a way. I don't know if I'm phrasing that right, but does that sound kind of familiar at all to you or? in any way true no i have no idea what you're talking about okay great all right well anyway uh well this game just seems a little more science fiction to me based on some principles i learned at some point in time about fantasy which may or may not be true so that was vague but here we are and you're welcome so it seems to me like final fantasy ever since really seven <clears throat> we talk about final fantasy a lot on this show because it's a very important series to both of us right um ever since seven they've kind of there's been a marriage of of magic and machine that has kind of existed where generally corporations or large governments in the worlds that they build use magic and stuff with magical properties to build large machines generally for some type of exploitation right mm -hmm. like that's, a, that's a very common theme in most of these games that have going forward from seven so because like in seven you had you know shinra using materia for to make Basically, they created Midgar, this giant dystopian city. Right. Um, eight, eight has gardens that like fly these giant cities that fly around. Nine kind of is its own thing. It does have some like steampunk elements, but you know, and generally you can you can point to things throughout all of those games from kind of from seven forward. So they've really been using these themes for a long time of kind of these these things with mystical properties that don't actually exist, and then creating these weird dystopian machines out of them yeah yeah it's it's nothing ultra new to the series and it's probably the most similar to final fantasy 7 in their life stream in terms of kind of how the science of the magic and how that works or final fantasy 13 boon of elza that's <clears throat> let's try to <clears throat> hit puberty before i say that boon of elza no, the voice crack was the voice crack worked. So um, the story has always been the thing for Fantasy 14, right? That's always been the thing that that everybody points to as awesome compared to a lot of other MMOs. How is it? It's really good. It's really good. Um, so I just texted my friend Brad last night about where I was in the story. He said, OK, now the story gets really, really good. He said at one point 
it, the Shadowbringers, this expansion has the best story of any Final Fantasy game, full stop. Um, That's awesome. It, it hasn't been, you know, that, I wouldn't say that so far. Like, it's good. I'm immersed in it. And it's cool. And you you almost, in the, what's cool about this expansion is it's not just there's some new areas you unlock and go to. You really are pretty much teleported to like a whole new realm, essentially. And that's why all these advertisements you're seeing everywhere, because they're going all out with their marketing campaigns. Yes, they and are. You will be the warrior of darkness. And, and you're the warrior of darkness because you're in a world where you want a warrior of darkness and not a warrior of light. Because up until now, you've been the warrior of light. And you've brought light and been for the power of light and all that stuff. But over here, it makes sense to be the warrior of darkness. And it's it's cool because since this 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 is like almost a parallel world, essentially, to where the rest of the game takes place, you feel like you're in such a different place. Like if I teleport to an old town or an old locale to maybe do a quest or to uh, do a little bit of leveling or do some random outstanding task that I do normally, like it feels weird Sure. Teleport it in Canada. Like I, I'm like, my character doesn't belong here anymore. Like yeah. I, I know I'm over in this world of Shadowbringers. Like that's where my character is supposed to be. Did they do this that kind of thing in WoW before? It's a hard, it's a really hard balance with an MMO because you know the, the designers of the game have spent years of their lives, right, making all of this other content, old content. A new expansion comes out, and it's almost always set this way where there's a new hub and there's a bunch of new areas off of that hub. And generally it's for, you know, the next higher level characters and then characters never go and see the old stuff again. Yeah. So they it's very common for this particular feeling to happen because they always just set up a new hub with new spokes off of that hub. For sure. Yeah. 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 It's pretty common. The thing is, though, there's so much to do in an MMO that I'm still visiting old areas to catch up on stuff. So for a long time, it. I was only leveling a couple of characters and because in this game, you can choose any character class, level it up all the way to 80 is the max level. And before I was like, okay, I'm a black mage. Like that's my thing. Then eventually I'm like, let's try a healer. Okay. All right. White mage. I'll get it somewhere. Okay. All right. We'll see. Then I'm like, all right, let's try a tank. I got to try a tank. So I got a warrior. And then I kept hearing how fun samurai was. Everybody's like, samurai is like the most fun DPS class. You got to try samurai. Samurai is a melee. Samurai is my main now. Okay. And I'm, I have been, upset it's so fun it is so fast paced and fun and your rotation is just like it's just like bang 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 and there's like three different layers to it you're um, like you're you're losing people with rotations and stuff um, like that and that's fine here's 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 my okay so here's my my five seconds on mmos now so i tried to get back into 14 again yeah um, tell me about that i keep seeing you log on and then you're not well, I, winning I, I haven't in a while now so i um I, I tried to get back into it again, and I didn't remember anything about the game, so um, I just I started over again. That's what I thought. I didn't see your which character's is, name. Which is what it's whatever I, you can, you know. But any anyway, like I realized as I was playing the game that MMO combat to me has turned boring. So the thing I really like in MMOs is R the the dungeons and raids things with groups things that require more attention and maybe more mechanical precision but the problem is that there's this shell of single player stuff around it that has this really interesting story that does definitely help drive me forward when i'm playing final fantasy 14 but at the end of the day there's not a lot of risk in the single player portion of the game and so 
I always felt like I was just kind of grinding through the the single player stuff to make it through to make it to the multiplayer stuff that I found the most fun. And then there's this large gap of doing single player stuff again that is relatively boring to me in terms of its mechanical play to get to the next party thing. Yeah. And and that in and it's it was kind of the same way in World of Warcraft um towards the end and why I kind of fell off that game too is it's just there's no risk generally in the the overworld stuff outside of dungeons when you're playing the games. There's just not. Yeah, um, yeah. You're just like fighting mobs and stuff. Yeah, and it's and and it's and it's it's easy. Like they they're you're not generally at risk of dying at all. So I you know I got like a bunch of the way into the story and I I remembered. Gosh, this story is really cool. Like they do a lot of really cool things with it. And I was playing the base story, which apparently everybody says is the worst the worst part of the story. And I still enjoyed it, but I just couldn't get past that hump of it. It's just kind of boring to play outside of the dungeons. Yeah, and it would be one thing if it was something you could beat in thirty or forty hours, right? Because we've all we've all endured boring parts of games. Final Fantasy thirteen, the first twenty or so hours, mm -hmm. we've always complained about that, right? Yeah, very linear, very little risk. You're still active, but let's be honest: the first twenty yeah. hours of, of thirteen is not why I played it twice in the same year. Right, it was an awesome game. The problem is, and people have have mentioned this on Reddit, and the community is very well aware. The a very, very good, exceptional Final Fantasy game that is a spectacular MMO with a phenomenal story is essentially story gated behind a 100 hour story. Yes. And that's minimum 120, maybe 130, if you don't really know what you're doing. Unless you pay extra money to skip content. Yeah. Which is something that they allow you to do. And I appreciate that that option is there. I think it's a little crummy that it is gated behind extra money. Yeah, yeah. Because if I went out and bought the Shadowbringers expansion, now, you know, I don't have any characters that are even through Heaven's Word, which is the first expansion, and they're gated to get to the Shadowbringers expansion, you'd have to go through Heaven's Word, the first expansion, and Stormblood, the second expansion, or pay an extra somewhere between it's like 20 and $40 to level up a character slash... Yeah, I think skip. it was like 25 or something to level to, to do that slash skip story content. The point is, is like if I'm going to buy that game at a retail price of $60, like to get all of the all of the expansions that I don't have up to this point, they should give me one character class that automatically can start at that at that story. Yeah. Right. Yeah. And I, I hope they start doing that. Um, and the other thing is about the combat that you mentioned, uh, you know, MMO combat being boring. The other complaint is for everybody. In, I encountered this when I, I tried to level a rogue to be a ninja, and I got it to thirty. But like, until level fifty, almost every class is barely tolerable. It's like three buttons. Yeah, you have three that. buttons that you're right that you're that you're using to play the game, and that's just that is just not that interesting. So, I got I got bored again. And I and I stopped playing it. And uh, when we get to kind of what I've been doing with with video games, um, you can you'll I think understand why that I just I couldn't tolerate that. I just couldn't tolerate yeah. that. Yeah. And um and uh, I'm watching this YouTuber that is a, a wow ref, a wow refugee. Sure. Love that Which there thing. are plenty of that have started playing Final Fantasy 14. A lot of people are jumping ship right now. Yeah, yeah. Um, uh, so there's a WoW refugee that, that does a YouTube channel. And he talks a lot about Final Fantasy 14 and what he loves about it. And 
and uh, and he brings up these criticism all the time. And he's he's like, what's interesting is you can see the game development evolve as you play the game. So even in the first hundred things, you're like, okay, well, this is kind of clunky. And then you get to the, the first expansion. You're like, oh, this is really cool. This has been streamlined. Then you get to Stormblood. You're like, oh, this is cool. This is streamlined. And now you're in Shadowbringers. And you're like, wow, this is like so, so great. But no matter you know how long you've been playing the game or what you want to do right now, when you pick up Shadowbringers, you're starting wherever you left off. And for you, that's Realm Reborn, the original. And for some people, it's Heaven's Ward. And, and I'll be honest, I thought Heaven's Ward was a little long. I thought the story was really phenomenal and so, so excellent and on par with any mainstream Final Fantasy game, but like easily. Like I would I would probably compare it to Final Fantasy IX. I would say it's better than eight and probably in, in around the same uh, realm as nine. It's just really compelling and good. So uh, even even then, still, it, yeah, it's like, I mean, it, it, I was at... It, I was at several hundred hours before I got to Shadowbringers. And again, and I didn't even know what I was doing, you know? Like, I look back and I'm like, okay, how many hours did I spend crafting with no experience bonuses or like trying out this class or doing this weird side quest thing that I know I didn't have to do? And, you know, like, you don't know, you don't really know how to min-max stuff. You don't know how to like optimize your time investment in, in that game until you really understand all the systems. And like, I have about a thousand hours of gameplay and I'm still learning things about the game. Yeah. So... It, it it's deep and dense so anyway um yeah i guess just to kind of wrap this up uh like shadowbringers is very very good it feels different than any other ff game if you've not tried an mmo i would give it a shot i mean if you have an extra like 20 bucks to burn like there are fan there are jump potions that they will give you that automatically clear all the main story content um and that includes heaven's word and now stormblood so you can literally pay it's like 20 or 25 bucks and you just like boom you're there in shadowbringers but as John said, it's next to like 15 bucks, I think, to just get one potion to blast your character up to a level 70 character, which is where you start at Shadowbringer. So, I mean, yeah, you are looking at like an extra 50 or 60 bucks to just like zip in and then on top of the expansion. So now you're paying like 100 bucks basically to start playing Shadowbringers and the subscription like that's cost prohibitive. If you've got $100 to burn and you are obsessed with Final Fantasy and you want a great Final Fantasy story experience because, like me, you were let down with Final Fantasy 15 and you, you just have an itch you really need to scratch and you just want a, a killer time with a great community, um, yeah, go for it. But, I mean, how many of us have an extra 100 bucks to just kind of blow on on zipping ahead? It's unfortunate. And, and, and Square is always incrementally improving these things. I will tell you one other thing, to, you know, talking about game life balance to bring this back to the subject of our show. When you have a limited amount of time to play games, you don't, you have a regimen. So you've kind of got a, a system. Me, I'm in the more of the realm of like, when I have a minute, I will play like, all right, cool. I just worked 40 hours. It's now midday Thursday. I'm going to take a break and play some games. And you can also, you've got the opportunity to maybe not play games for like four days, but then be off and like sit down for a long you know six hour gaming session with final fantasy 14. yeah yeah like my plan today is ideally hopefully to play like at least four or five hours straight right like, boom which is great however uh, but the entire gaming experience um, completely relies on an external factor and that is servers being up servers working right and internet being good now remember this is he's referring obviously to just mmos not all yeah i'm games. just talking mmos right. so like you you've played all these different games and if one broke or steam wasn't connecting or something you have a different game you could play i'm all in on final fantasy 14 i don't play other games anymore so like 
I got to, it was like around the, I think it was like the night before the independence day or something like July 3rd. And I, I, I had like burned through, you know, like a 40 hour week in three days or something. And I was like, okay, finally, here we go. I can play games for like five hours. And it's like, cool. Hey, we're starting maintenance in an hour. So servers will be down. So you can't play. So you can't do the thing you want to do. <sighs> right. And about. if that's the only game you want to play, it's tough to then be like, I don't, I want to, I don't really want to get involved with another game because I'm not going to go back to it once the servers are back up. I remember those times from World of Warcraft. I had the exact same feelings. Something to think about. I will tell you, I have one ex escape. Did you know the other game that I did actually play in the last two weeks? Final Fantasy 13 2. Surprisingly, no. Sid Meier's Civilization VI with the Rise and Fall expansion. Really? Yeah. Um, we, I... talked, we talked a lot of Civ Five over the course of this show. We've definitely talked about Civ Six before, but we, you know, it came out relatively recently and, and a lot of playtime probably happened in like the gap where we didn't record. So I don't think we've talked as much about it. Have you played it? I have. I've played, okay. I've played one game of it. Um, that I really actually enjoyed. I thought it was really cool, um, but I didn't really know what I was doing because they, the way that like you can manipulate your cities now, um, you know, it's a lot more granular than previous civilization games. Yeah. So like, um, I I kind of just let my cities evolve on their own, and I didn't really quit the district stuff, and so I didn't really know what I was doing. I just like built districts as they came up. Yeah, it, it's it's. But I certainly didn't. I didn't optimize anything. Basically. Yeah. Well, um, a, a few days ago, I actually had a little bit of free time, and for logistical reasons, I won't get into. I started playing a game of Civ Six while I while I was finishing editing something because it's turn based, so you can kind of switch back and forth quickly. Sure. And I finished editing, and I shut my my laptop, and I'm sitting there playing Civ Six, and I was like, "All right, cool. Well, now I can quit Civ Six and play Shadowbringers." An hour and a half later, I was still playing Civ Six, and I was sure. actually like mad at myself. I'm like, "I want to be playing Shadowbringers, but this is so fun." Um, the new so um, there are two expansions. There's Rise and Fall is the newest one, and then there's one other one that I didn't get. Uh, I highly recommend Rise and Fall. The other expansion uh, has uh, mixed reviews on Steam, but Rise and Fall was over. I think mostly positive or very positive. Is and, the is Rise and Fall the the climate change one, or is that the mm -hmm. one that you didn't get? Okay, the, you got the climate change one. Yeah, yeah, there's natural disasters and a lot of coastal tiles now have like elevation or altitude. So they'll get flooded and and that and floods will be natural disasters. Volcanoes will go off, but they have rich soil around them. So there's all these really cool mechanics. But what I think the number one thing for me, and I've only played one game, so I have yet to see if this is a rule or the exception, but like barbarians kind of make sense now. So like before when I would start a game of Civ 6, I could get 30 turns in and there would be four barbarian tribes that just destroyed everything. And like your game is over. Like your game is over because of barbarians in 20 to 30 turns, no matter what you do. It's, it's virtually like, even if I went military and I have all these archers and warriors, like it was absurd how bad the barbarians were, even on regular difficulties, mm -hmm. this game, they seem to have done something to where they, they didn't start to propagate or really spread quickly. So I had established a couple cities and had a few military units and were, was kind of chilling around the continent before I started to see them. And they seemed to be a little further away and they seemed to be a little less aggressive. Again, I don't know if that's just dumb luck for the one game or if they tweaked some algorithms, but it automatically felt different the way they approached me. And that allowed me to kind of get a good start. And then after that, the game's been really, really fun. They add um governors that you can add to your cities or mayors i guess it would be mayors wouldn't it 
I don't know what they are. Right? Politicians that you can add as leaders mm -hmm. to your cities. They have a couple different um, uh, tile types. It's it's really, really fun. And there's a bunch of new civs. So I highly, highly recommend the Rise and Fall expansion. And the other thing is like a lot of people say that when if when a civilization game first comes out, it's never finished. Like it's not complete. Yeah, it, they always expand it three times, right? Three or four times before they they are done with the game. Right. So if you were disappointed with six when it came out and you're like, I'm just going to keep playing five, pick up Rise and Fall. I don't know about whether you should pick up both, but definitely pick up Rise and Fall. Um, you know, the Steam summer sale ended. I got it for 10 bucks off, which was nice. I didn't, I was going to wait longer because, you know, a year after they're out, you can get them for like 10 bucks. Right. But I was like, no, nah, totally worth it. So it, that was the one game that could pull me away from, uh, from Final Fantasy. And it's nice to have a backup game. So if you are an MMO player, don't go all in on an online-only game. You've got to have some kind of offline backup or you'll drive yourself crazy. Uh, also good for offline backup, books. Sure. Way to plug books? It's a thing you can read. Not, not a book, just books. I have a, a book right here. What's this? Three books. They're under a keyboard. I'm not going to pick them up. Okay. What's this book? There's books, there's books all over here. That's a amazing. Over here? I've got bookshelves. We could, we could talk about the books in my bookshelves. I've got books, too. Books? Yeah, I haven't in a while. I haven't in a while. Do you I, read books? I, mm. I mean, I know how to read. I do read books. I have. I haven't. I haven't read a novel in a while, but I do read books. Mm. Do you know how to read yeah, things are that aren't books? Are they? Like you mean like documents, sheets of paper? What are we talking about mm -hmm. now? Do you like documents? I love documents. Like Dude, the side essays lately. Like what's written on like the side of a coffee cup? Like when I you was get thinking the Declaration of Independence. Oh, you know, Nicolas Cage had to steal that in a movie that I watched. Did he really? He was, well, he was really, he was really more of a treasure protector. Yeah, I never saw those movies. I did see Ex Machina, though, and it was good. Yeah, that is a, that is a great movie. Like, really good. That director has, that director has, uh, has made a couple of other kind of provocative films. I can't remember what they are, but he, he's, he's kind of like making a name for himself in these kind of like weird, small indie sci-fi type type movies the funniest thing regarding directors for me recently there is a way to start a sentence it was when we were browsing netflix and the wife realized that when you when you preview a netflix movie it doesn't tell you the director oh really it was really funny to watch how angry that made her as like a cinema like a, as a like a movie fan that does cinema. that does seem a little odd doesn't it that is outrageous that is like unacceptable yeah <laughs> you can't, it doesn't say who directed it my god it only shows the actors yeah he so he also the other one that he the other other one that he directed that was pretty well regarded was annihilation mortal kombat annihilation that's right mortal kombat annihilation oh, that wasn't as good as the original no not annihilation that movie that came out last year based on based on that science fiction book with Natalie Portman in it. Uh, it's kind of a body horror. It's a very good movie. It's excellent. Mm, body horror. Yeah. Speaking of body also, horror. also he's written uh, video games. Well, video games. That's where he came from. He came from uh, Devil May Cry. Um, he wrote uh, Enslaved Odyssey to the West. Uh, another pretty well-regarded video game. So Got yeah, it. Okay. he's kind of involved in been involved with a couple of things. Very cool. Very cool. All right, I got to know what you've been playing because it's all the games. So it'd, be, it'd take me way too long to like go through the list of the things I've played over the past, you know, seven months or whatever. Um, the the long and short, I I sold my PlayStation 4. What? 
So E3 happened since we since we last talked. And uh, one of the things that happened in E3 was, I, you know, I, I watched, I always watch the press conferences. I love E3. I love, I love keeping up to date with video game news. I get excited about it. I'm just, I get excited about the industry. And um, one of the things, one of the things that I, I saw was that Microsoft is doing this thing. And I've always been kind of interested in their Game Pass service. Oh, but right. Microsoft came out um, and they came out with a new program where they rolled their Game Pass and Xbox Live Gold into one, one uh, subscription for fifteen bucks a month that gets you both Game Pass and and Xbox Live Gold. I'll talk to you about what each of those is in a minute. Um, but up to this point, they had been separate. Game Pass has been slowly like evolving to be better, um, but it hadn't really it hadn't really been perfected until what I think I think really now they have hit their stride and it is a, a really really good value for what you pay to get it uh, for which for what you're paying for so um what they are xbox live gold is access to their online infrastructure that allows you to play games online honestly microsoft has the best system it's it's even better than steam being able to make parties um and launch games that way has always been better it's been a better user experience than any of the other systems um, and so there's a reason why they charge a premium for that, right? Like there's a reason they can charge $10 a month for that. And Nintendo can charge $20 a year because Nintendo's is garbage, right? Like their online service is generally considered pretty lacking. Yeah. Right. Um, and, you know, PlayStation has their own version of this. You can access their games online actually for free. Their user system is slightly, slightly less good. Um, but if you pay their premium service, you get a couple of games for free a month. So anyway. I was watching these press conferences, um, and I hadn't really used my PlayStation for a while. Um, I had only been using my my PC. So my PlayStation had been collecting dust. Probably hadn't played a game on there in like six months. And I saw this Game Pass thing, and I've always been a little interested in it. So I did some research, and there's there's like 200 games that you get access to immediately when you pay the subscription fee. And as long as you are a subscriber to Game Pass and have the game downloaded, even if the game cycles out of Game Pass, because they're always adding and getting rid of games as they gain and lose licenses from publishers, even if you've got it downloaded, you can continue to play it. So I paid the, I, I, I was like, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to do it because I'm not playing my PS4. There's no reason for me to have it. So I sold it on Craigslist, bought an Xbox One. They're crazy cheap right now because they already announced a new system because they announced that they're working on a new system that they're probably going to show next year. And so nobody's buying Xbox Ones, right? So there's there's a value proposition there right now that's, I think I paid $200 for an Xbox One with two controllers, new. What? Yeah. Because that, oh, and three months of Game Pass Ultimate for free with it. So they're crazy cheap right now. And I got on there and... I started downloading games. I downloaded like 25 games that I immediately had access to and started playing that. So the first game that I played through to completion, which would be, I think the only thing I talk about today was Hollow Knight, which is a Symphony of the Night-like game that was developed by this small Japanese studio. It was their first game. I think it was, I think it's Team Rose or something like that. It was their first game. And it's just like a, you know, it's a, side scroller castle exploration game and it's basically it basically asks the question what if dark souls was a symphony of the night style game and and 
that is like a 2D platformer exploration game. And that is what the game is. And it's, it is, it is the best for me. It was the best symphony of the night style game that I have ever played. Wow. It's phenomenal. It's, it is phenomenal. So it's hard though, too, right? Dark very hard. Yeah. Very okay. hard. Very hard. Um, and it's very much like the, you know, the bosses are the thing, right? Like that you get to the bosses and that is generally the spot where you will get stuck until you become good enough to beat the boss and then continue. Um, but it's the same formula that all of those games follow. You, you go through, you go through the world, you get, you find a lot of places you can't access yet until you find powers after you defeat bosses to then let you access other areas of the world. Uh, play through that game from start to finish. The, the aesthetic of that game is, um, I can see it not being for everybody, but it's, it's all bugs. You're in this like kingdom of insects. You are this small little beetle looking dude. Um, it's kind of cartoony, uh, in terms of, of its, its art style, like colors are very vibrant. Um, but they're also, it's also like basically the entire game is a palette of bluish green, um, because you're underground. So it's got a really, it's just a really like beautiful kind of dark, um, mysterious looking game. Um, it doesn't have a lot of, um, there aren't a lot of, there's not a lot of difference between the areas in terms of the way they look. So there's a little bit of like visual fatigue over that I noticed over the course of playing that game. Um, but the way the game controls, it's like the tightest controlling platformer I've ever played. Wow. It's, it is seriously, it was awesome. So now I, yeah, go ahead. Well, I was gonna say back when I was, I was traveling one time and I, I had my switch and I asked for recommendation of what to download. And the two recos I got were hollow Knight and axiom verge. I ended up downloading axiom verge. I've talked about that on this show before for me. And I love um, that game. That so, game is so, so good. Oh my God. Yeah. Phenomenal Metroidvania game. Um, in one of the texts, a couple of you said Hollow Knight is probably better, but that it, it doesn't really hit its stride until like four to six hours in. So we, it is, we, it's funny, we just finished talking about like the time investment for a slow start. So is that still, that's still true? It is. So part of the problem is that the game feels kind of slow when you first get in. Um, but the very first power that you unlock is a dash. And, and the dash is both an air dash and a ground dash. And so once you get that, it really makes the movement feel better in the game. Up until that point, the movement doesn't feel great. But you for the first thing you get is that dash. And then the very second power is a wall jump. And the wall, and the wall jump makes it so that you can scale any flat wall um, straight up on the same. You don't have to have walls adjacent to each other. You can just go straight up a wall. And once you have those two powers, it really makes the movement feel um, quick and responsive enough to um, to to feel like a a like complete style game. Um, so there is an initial time investment, but when we're talking about the difference between like say Final Fantasy fourteen, which you say it's a hundred hours to get to the good content. And you talk about a game like Hollow Knight, which is really it's more like two to three hours to get okay. at, to get those two powers. It's um, I don't know. There's like apples to oranges in terms of time investment. And the game mm -hmm. is still good. The game is still fun. There's still some interesting things you can do with with movement and fighting um, before you get those powers. But once you get those powers, it just opens up 
it opens up completely. And the game is, is just, it is so good. It is so good. Um, they, they're, they've made the kind of game where they've tried to keep everything kind of in game logical and con- and consistent with the world and it feel like there's a lot of stuff in the game that doesn't feel very video gamey so I'll give you an example when you want to look at your map you have to hold the like the the left bumper button and your character on screen opens a map and can walk back and forth while the map is open but time does not stop so if you are in a dangerous situation you can't really pull out your map and look at it because you're going to get attacked while you're looking at the map Right. Whereas every other Metroidvania game or or 2D side-scrolling platformer adventure game, the map is usually just like off in the corner of the screen. Right. Like mm-hmm. always there. So there are those kind of concessions all over the game um, that are far more. They make it more immersive of a game, but sometimes they are slight nuisances. So like that mapping system the mapping system in the game is 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 what I would consider kind of detrimental to the game because as you are going through the game, once you reach a new area, if you have not found the map creator yet, there's a dude, there's a bug who you have to find in each area and he has a preliminary map of the area mm-hmm. that you have to buy from him with money and then your map starts kind of auto-charting. It's like in Metroid almost, Super Metroid that you pick up the map stations except your except in in super metroid the game auto charts as you're going through the area even if you haven't discovered the map yet that's true in this game until you until you purchase that preliminary map there is no auto charting so if you don't find the map maker in each new area that you go to <clears throat> you you don't have a map a reference map oh that's annoying yeah, and it is annoying. It's it's very annoying, and it is it is probably one of my least favorite things about the game. It's one of the things, and I mean, by the end of playing that game, you know, it, was, it ended up being like a twenty-ish hour game for me. At the end of that game, I was used to it. I was playing it, I, you know, it, I didn't have a problem with it by the end. But it really like it was kind of a drag. Like every time you got to a new area, you're like, oh, this area is really cool. The 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 first thing I have to do is find the map creator. That's the like and and buy a map. That's the very first thing I have to do because otherwise I'm not going to have any idea where to go or where areas that I haven't explored yet are. Right. Yeah. So, I can relate to that. But there are all of these interesting optional systems to engage with in that game, and that is super cool. It's just there's like like there's an arena that you can go fight in for rewards that just have the, has these waves of enemies that they have a, a couple of different things on that you don't have to you never even have to go there and engage in it but it's cool that it's there. Um, they've got all of these different badges that uh, you equip that you have a certain number of like of points that you can use to equip and they really change like they are almost like building a different character they change the way your character works um, and you know there's like forty of them. And that's super interesting. Um, there's a lot of optional bosses to try that are super difficult. A lot of the optional bosses are really, really crazy difficult. Um, so those are really cool. Um, there, there's this like, there's like this dream world that you can go to um, for certain. You can basically like read people's minds with this ethereal blade that you get later in the game, um, and literally everything. There's only one part of that that's not optional, but everything else to deal with that particular like system is optional in the game. Um, there's just there's a lot of like really cool stuff that you don't even have to engage with if you don't want to. Um, 
but really fleshes out this world. I mean, the world is super interesting and it all, and just like Dark Souls, it's the world is there and something horrible has happened and it is never explicitly stated what happens to the world. All you do is glean this lore from stuff throughout the course of the game as you play it. Like, I still don't know exactly what happened, but you don't need to, right? Like, it's just, it's a world building exercise that makes, it's just an, it's like an, it's like an interesting, oh my gosh, like this is like a cool thing that happened here. Yeah. And you like put that together in your head and it's all of that stuff is super interesting and really, really neat. It's really, really neat. And it's just, it's really well done. Uh, and, and they already announced that they've got a sequel coming out. Um, so that's going to come out. I think it's either this year or early next year. So that's really cool. But it's been, it was, it was awesome. It was an awesome game. What's so, weird to me is it came out around the time of Shovel Knight. And I always associate the two in my mind. I always associate them, even though they have nothing to do with each other. No, and Shovel Knight is Mega Man, right? Whereas <laughs> this is Symphony of the Night. Shovel Knight was just a, Shovel Knight's like a different homage. Mm -hmm. Yeah, Shovel uh, Knight was great. But they really took that formula and they made it, um, they made it great. They made like the gameplay feel even more fun and rewarding. There's just so much execution that you have to do um, to play to play the game. It's just it's really it's really really good. That's awesome. Are there different difficulty levels, or is it just kind of there is the, so there's difficulty. In, there's two things you can do. You can play it on on like normal mode, um, which is you know you gain money every time you kill something, and if you die your spirit is left in an area which is which is a dark souls thing your spirit is left in the area that you die and you have to go get it and kill your spirit to get your money back and if you don't you lose all your money wow so and that's like i said that's a dark souls that is like the dark souls thing they do something similar to that in shovel knight though actually random side note sure um so but then there's also an iron bug mode or something like that that you unlock after you beat the game once and that's one life you're done so you can play the game that way too. I hate those. I hate those so much. Yeah, they're pretty. I mean, look, if it's certainly not for everybody, and like you definitely don't have to play the game that way, but that mode does exist as like a harder mode. But like yes. I said, the the real like the the difficult we'll say difficulty levels, right? The difficulty levels in that game are all the optional bosses and like the true ending, because of course there's a true there's four endings to the game and there's a true ending to the game um that you can that you can get as well. So yes. Yeah, there's ways to engage with the game that make it harder and and cooler. So, um, you know, that was like one of 30 games that I have downloaded right now on my Xbox One. So I finished that up and then I started uh, Mutant Year Zero uh, Road to Eden, which is a game that's on uh, Game Pass. And it is X made up. It's XCOM, which is a really well regarded strategy tactics game. Yeah, you've talked about that on the show. Heard that it, I have. I've, I've played both one and two of XCOM. It's I love XCOM. I love love XCOM a lot. Uh, Road Road to Eden, Mutineer Zero Road to Eden is XCOM that plays slightly differently, is a little slower and laggier. Like it's it it it's not as like snappy, but it tells a story. Whereas XCOM doesn't really tell a story. It's more of XCOM's XCOM's almost like a civilization game actually with tactics instead of instead of just civilization building it's like civilization building with a much more interesting like battle system we'll say right that's what xcom is because there's like this there's a base building aspect of that game that is less complicated than civilization 
but then there is a combat portion of the game that is much more interesting than combat and civilization. It's like a Starcraft. No. It's like a because, Warcraft 2. No. Because combat happens on like separate separate missions and like, like a, a Warlords 2. None of the, it's literally like none of those things. Anyway, Road to Eden is much like those games except it tells a an actual narrative whereas XCOM really doesn't. And it's got like a stealth component where the you're like walking around maps and you engage with the enemy on your own terms kind of stealthily and you can use silent weapons to like pick off people first before you really engage with the tactical combat. So you try to pick off as many people in the area as possible and then you jump in to do like the big firefight. Um and it's a you know it's it's a it's a very it's a intellectual exercise. It's a like I said it's a tactics game and I've been having a lot of fun with it. So that's What, what is I the name of this fairy tale land Mutant Year Zero, colon, Road to Eden. All right, that's a dumb name. Yeah, so it's based on a tabletop role-playing setting. And it's cute. It's It's got a lot of cute, funny moments. You know, you are a a, a mutant warthog, and, a, and your characters are a mutant warthog and a mutant duck. Um, it's a post-apocalyptic world, maybe, maybe even post-apocalyptic post-apocalyptic world where all of humanity is is dead um there was a virus that came and basically wiped out humanity and and when that happened you know they nations launched nukes against each other etc cetera, etc cetera. so you are um part of this like civilization that's trying to rebuild everything and there's legend of eden which is this place that there's things actually growing and like it's a place where civilization could really re be restored again and you're trying to find it and get there. Uh, and so it's happened after humanity is gone. And so you're, as your mutants are like moving through the wasteland, which is, or the zone, I think is what it's called. Um, as they're moving through it, they're finding things like TVs and schools. And there are these cute like hypotheses as to what those places are. So like they'll get to a school and they'll say, this was where, you know, this is where the creators would, train their their younglings how to kill and how to et cetera et cetera and it's just it's it's like cute and funnily written um and it i i'm enjoying it it's neat. and you and you play as bebop and howard the duck you kind of do you kind of play as bebop and howard the duck okay do you unlock rock steady is that an unlock you know i haven't haven't found him yet but uh there okay. are mutants, there are mutants there are plenty of mutants that you that you find and unlock but you can unlock beatrix she you can save her can save her in this version of the game. And General Leo. General Leo and, General and Beatrix Leo. are both. You can. Yeah, I like that we're bringing it back to Final Fantasy. Mm -hmm. uh, I will say that the difficulty curve is not good. There's there's too many there's too many jumps in difficulty, which is something I don't like. I don't like when I really don't like when when difficulty spikes. I like a much more gradual slope in difficulty levels. Uh, and that's something XCOM does super well. So I'm kind of missing that. Like I just got to a new area and basically, you know, enemies had 15 health in the last area I was in and suddenly they have 25, which is what it's, it's like close to double. And it really changes how you have to like approach situations. And I, I kind of don't know how I'm going to continue at this point. Like I haven't figured it out yet. So I've already had to do some reading as I've gotten to some of those difficulty spikes and say, Hey, like, 
I've done all of the, you know, optional side stuff up to this point, And I'm still like way underpowered now, now that I got to this new area. What do I do? Like, how do I approach this now? Because I don't understand how I'm supposed to complete this area. Yeah. So that I have not been enjoying. But the story, you know, it's a cool tactics game. It's neat. Now, were these books that you were reading? Or... Yes, they were all books. Okay. All books. That's cool. Books I haven't played good. any video games at That's all. That's good. All right. Anyway, I think Game Pass is awesome. I really yeah. do. And they add and they add new games. They add new games usually twice a month, anywhere from two to four games. So they're always adding stuff. Like, and then when, like I said, once you download it, as long as you're subscribing, you still have access to them. The other cool thing is that, um, it's so. I love my PC and my PC can play anything, right? For the most part, it's it's starting to become a little long in the tooth. Some of the some some games are not running at high settings anymore in order to play efficiently. But there's still a little bit of fiddling that you have to do with PC games. It's way better than it used to be 15 years ago, but you still have to fiddle a little bit with settings and things like that to make to make everything kind of smooth. And I haven't played on consoles in a long time. Like I said, it's been before well, since I've really since I've really engaged with a console, it's probably been like a year and I forgot how nice it is just to launch something and have it be pre-optimized for the console, not have to mess with any settings, not have to make sure it's running correctly. Like how it runs when you launch the game is just the best it's going to run because it's been optimized for that system. Even if it is a little laggy, even if there are more longer load times, like I don't have to take it upon myself to try to mess with all that stuff. And I forgot how nice that is. Yeah, I guess that's I guess that's kind of nice. I mean, when you're only playing one game like Final Fantasy 14, once your settings are optimized, you're never gonna have to do that again. But if you're playing game if you're playing multiple games, like I had to I had to mess with settings for like Dragon Quest Eleven multiple times. And sometimes it would like error when I launched that game and I'd have to go in and change settings again. And and figure out like what happened with my PC as to why it reverted settings and, and stuff like that. And that's, it's just, it's a no, it's annoying. And it's a thing yeah. that, and it's because it's because most of the time game developers are still developing for consoles first, because that's where the larger part of the market is. So they're still developing for consoles first when you're talking about some of these, some of these like bigger titles and they don't, they, they, it's just, it's easier. It's just a lot easier to do it on the console and i i forgot about how nice it is yeah i got like not soured but like so borderlands 2 on playstation uh, no borderlands 2 on playstation 3 was like abysmally slow like the frame rate it was like 10 frames a second or something it was sure. like it's bad and it's a constant scale like it was impossible to play i i even offline like just with rush and john coming over like it just didn't work so after that i'm just like why would i ever buy a game that's available for for a console and PC and not get it on PC. So. Yeah. And that's just, I mean, they didn't, they must not have optimized it well. And that's a thing. I mean, that's a thing that happens. It was horribly optimized. Like yeah. I, I wouldn't go back and, and, and play it. You know, I'm really surprised to hear all that feedback about game pass. Cause like you mentioned it in our text conversation and I pulled up the list and I was like, there's not a single game on here. I remotely have any interest in playing. It was like all racing games and FIFA. And yeah. There's way more. There's like way more on there. I think than um, than when you looked at it or something, because there's plenty of non-racing games and non-sports games on there. All right. Yeah. Plenty. I mean, I knew Hollow Knight was on there, which is cool, obviously. So that's, that's kind of compelling, but um surprised to hear that you're, you're doing that. <laughs> 
So I think I think part of it too is that you know I I don't have a lot of compulsion to play the newest, latest, greatest games that come out. Um, just because there's so many video games and I don't have a ton of time. Right. So like the thing about Game Pass is if if you are the type of person that needs to play, you know, the new Fallout game when it comes out, if you're the type of person that needs to play the new um I don't know, Borderlands when it comes out. Like those aren't the games that are hitting Game Pass. Games generally after they've been out for like 6 to 12 months, those are the games that are showing up there. But I can wait. I'm cool waiting because I've got all these other games that I want to play. But if you're the type of person that needs the newest, latest, greatest thing, it might not be the best value for you because none of those games are going to show up there. Yeah, no, I'm the same way as you. But, um, I guess for me, I'm keeping my PS4. Uh, the games that I really want to play are exclusive for it. So Horizon Zero Dawn, I would like to check out at some point. And I really want to play Persona 5 just sure. because, I don't know, it's supposed to be really good. And then they put Joker and Smash Brothers. So it's like, okay, cool. Now, I, you know, whatever. So, um, so I'm going to hang on to my, my PS4 for now. I, like, I don't know of any Xbox exclusives that might compel me to flip over to that side, I guess. Yeah. So my buddy and I are probably going to play through Halo. I've never played Halo, any of them. So Ooh. all, you know, all of the Halo games are on, are on game, uh, game pass. So I think we'll probably start those and see if they're, I like them because I've, I think that's a pretty big gap in my gaming knowledge, right? Like it's I, a pretty important series. So I kind of, yeah. I want to check it out. I would say when, if and when I ever move out of this apartment where I've been for four years and I have a setup where I have like a game room that's like isolated from the rest of my my place, then then I can get back into first person shooters because right now it's it's not really an option. Sure. Uh, it's not a thing that, um, my, uh, that I have any desire to expose my wife to, nor does she particularly want to watch me murder things a lot. Sure. Um, though, I, I mean, I was a, I was all about Call of Duty and Halo in my early, tw early to mid twenties. So, um, that is a thing I would like to get back into. In fact, I was furious at myself because I'm still on my PlayStation plus subscriber. I forgot to turn off auto renew subscription. So I just renewed in January, whatever I got like a year. Yeah. I got the PlayStation plus subscription <clears throat> just to play Dissidia online because Dissidia NT, the, it was my Final Fantasy fighting game. I, like I played 220 hours of it on PSP. Um, the new game not as good, so right. that sucks. So I got it, and then I was like, oh, I was starting getting these free games. There was a month where they had Call of Duty Modern Warfare, Call of Duty Four Modern Warfare, and The Witness were the PlayStation Plus games. The Witness being the puzzle game from the guy that made Braid that you lauded. Oh, it's so good. Yeah, missed that month like an idiot. Someone in our, our friend group even texted. They were like, oh, yeah, you can get like Call of Duty, Modern Warfare. Yeah. Wow, okay, cool. So I just like missed those free titles, which I would have really enjoyed. Um, and my wife was out of town for a couple of weeks, but I could have like Call of Duty out and I didn't. Mm -hmm. But I will say in terms of first person shooters, I, ha I did uh, actually. I sh this is worth noting for our audience because John and I have talked about how obsessed we are with Risk of Rain. I started playing Risk of Rain 2 with some friends over the last few months. You haven't checked it out yet, have you? I haven't. Okay, cool. So yeah, um, Risk of Rain, a uh, roguelike platformer, just so fun. Like John and I have talked about it a ton. We played it so much. We played much. it a lot. Great indie title. It was both of our game of the year and whatever year we reviewed it. But they made Risk of Rain 2. It's like the exact same game, but it's a first-person shooter now, which, you know, at first the, react, the, the instinct is always like, oh, it's not going to be as good. But Metroid did it. Metroid Prime was phenomenal, right? Mm -hmm. So they did it and it's really fun. It's really, really fun. The controls yep. are tight. It's just Risk of Rain 3D. And um, it's in open access beta right now, but they have dedicated servers. 
you know, the, the big problem with the original Risk of Rain was you basically had to do connecting was was peer to peer connecting and it, was, was, and it was annoying. It was it was rough. It was, and then it came out for PlayStation Four, and I actually downloaded it, but like no one was playing it because right. it's a tiny indie title. So like there's no community, so you still had to get your friends, mm-hmm. and if you're already connecting p2p with your friends anyway like it, it's like okay the servers just take out like one step but you still need to have your so it's stupid and plus none of my friends got it on ps4 so right. uh, you know stupid on me but no risk of rain 2 is awesome so uh check out the open access beta if you want uh but I've, I've i played it a bunch with uh with john and will online and yeah you will enjoy it john once it's like more out or whatever or you want to get into it like we will i will definitely jump on and play with you that, yeah, and that's the sure. thing that i definitely carved out time for outside of final fantasy 14 to play yeah so well quick sweet plug for that quick plug for that i better put that in the show notes very important so, so yeah like i said i've played i've been playing like a ton of games and there are plenty that i could talk about but it's it's more it's more just just having fun with game pass and kind of exploring that and and seeing new games added and like i just downloaded symphony of the night which i'll be playing in a couple of months probably around halloween um play through that again because that was one of the games with that's one of the games with gold right now so you get that for free um so yeah it's it's a cool it's a cool service and it's really good for me i got symphony of the night for free on ps3 because it came with castlevania lords of shadow yeah i can believe that you probably can find that you can probably find it free in a lot of different places to be honest but uh it's nice to have it right there where i know that i've got it so or you could just watch me beat it on, on our YouTube channel, the Game Life Balance US. Oh, that's right. Channel. I don't even need a VHS player anymore. Yeah, I uploaded my VHS videotape that I made in high school of me playing Symphony of the Night. No commentary. It's just a straight game. Was there a, was there ever a copyright strike against that for for like the music or anything? Like, no, Konami just monetized it, so they automatically get the money because you can hear the music in it. Well, all three million people that have watched that video, then uh, that's a shame that we're not getting any cut of that. Yeah, it's got like one view. It's been and you, it's you, isn't it? It's, that one view is you yeah. on loop while I'm playing Final sure. Fantasy. Yeah, I got you. 14. So anyway, I, you know, I think we should do this again sometime. I would be down. We could that. reconvene maybe in six months. <laughs> um, I, you know, if I streamline the production process, and I just don't really edit. Um, then, then there you go. Oh, look, the quality of this show is just gonna maybe marginally slightly go down, just because I don't have time to make it really great. But like, it'll what be eighty percent as good as it was. What if, um, what if you release this episode in one minute chunks, like every week another minute of the episode? I feel like that, that could really stretch it out. We could really get a lot of content out of this one. Great content, by the way. I know, I know, right? On a release schedule. Listen, I come up with the best ideas. They're pretty good. They're pretty good. Yeah. Um. I don't know. I'll add that one to the hopper. I'll add the that to the idea hopper. We have a hopper of ideas that we that we keep. That's a good Stranger Things three reference or was Stranger it? Things reference. It was. Yeah. Okay. Because cool. I mean, one of the main characters is named is named Hopper. Casey and I started watching Silicon Valley, which is an HBO show comedy. Yeah, the comedy, right? I heard oh, it's hilarious. It's. I can't believe how good it is because we're generally not like comedy people are you are you are you and casey generally like comedy people when you watch stuff together no yeah and we aren't either like we're just i i don't arrested development so that that show ruined me like i can't watch funny shows anymore unless they're unless they're well done yeah because like if they're not if they're not well done if they're not as clever as arrest development i just i find them boring like i'm not the kind of person that gets a lot of in 
enjoyment out of watching, you know, Big Bang Theory. Um, but yes, like specifically sitcoms are a no go completely anymore. Right. But uh, yeah, it's it's amazing. It is so funny. And Casey, who it's not like my you know my wife is a is a healthcare lawyer. Um, it's not like she is a techie person at all. And the show, the show is. I think the the way you can tell it's a, it's actually a very very good show is the show is about Silicon Valley and about the creation of apps and it's it's like very it's there's a lot of like tech jargon in there but you don't have to understand any of it to think that show is funny and good. Um so yeah we've been like we've been I haven't I haven't binged a show in a while but you know we started watching that like 2 weeks ago and we're through three three seasons of that show. Wow. Which we don't we don't watch shows like that anymore. So it's uh I've been really enjoying that a lot. That is crazy. I know. If, it's super fun. If you recall, last year, in all of 2018, we watched every episode of Star Trek, the original series. Yeah. A comedy. And, right. That's a comedy show. Very, very comedy. And um, we wrote a couple I wrote a couple of blog posts about it on CodyGoff.com. Well, uh, once we got done with that, uh, the natural progression is you got to watch Next Generation because that's what we grew up on, right? Yeah. And then I played Star Trek Club in second grade or recess and, and third so you, grade. And so you guys did start from season one? So we did. Well, it's, it's like we we both enjoyed the camp of the original series. And I was going to skip season one. And then our friend Brad texted. He's like, dude, if you... If you and if you and Casey enjoyed season one, uh, the original series, you have to watch season one. Yeah, because there's some dumb camp in season one. It's there's that episode where where they go to the sex planet and Wesley falls in the bushes. That's it's, that show is so. <laughs> the first season of that show is just so dumb. It is pretty rough. We are in season two now, and um, I am just looking forward to not having to watch Catherine Pulaski anymore. I didn't, I didn't mind her that bad. I mean, I, I, I don't love Beverly either. Okay, so I love Beverly. I, Do you? In season one, I was like, dude, she's like one of the best characters. She's just, like her act. I don't know. She has a very good presence on screen, I think. Yeah, I see. I don't I don't love uh, I don't love Beverly. Um, I think I might just be spoiled from by the doctor from Voyager um <laughs> that like I it's just it's hard. for. But I, I find Beverly just kind of boring. overall. Yeah. Well, every time we tell people that we're on Next Generation, the immediate response is, oh, man, well, then you can do Deep Space Nine, which is the best Star Trek. Everyone has said that. Do you agree? I've never watched it. Every single person. And, like, you're, you're a Voyager guy. You watched all of Voyager, right? I, I did. I'm one of the weird people that really, really liked Voyager a lot. I liked Voyager a lot, too. I really yeah, enjoyed I, it. I really, really liked Voyager. Well, I'll have to let you know how Deep Space Nine goes, but based on our current click of watching shows, we'll get to Deep Space Nine in 2021, I think. Okay, that seems... Which, I mean, I think one series, you know, start to finish, like seasons one through seven, because they're all seven seasons long, one series a year feels reasonable. It's uh, seven seasons. The original was two and a half. Three, really. Yeah, and they're still they were still made at the time where there's only 12 minutes of commercials per episode rather than like 20, which is what current shows have. Mm -hmm. So the episodes are 48 minutes long. Just that's a time commitment. Yeah. Yeah, it's a lot, but um, you know, it's so And there's also 24 fun. episodes per season or whatever because it was made before the writer strike. <laughs> that's also true. Um the one other thing I've been really into lately outside of video games and media is have you ever had a michelada? Is that a drink? Yes. Is it actually a drink? Yes. I, I haven't, but it sounds you, like a drink. You like Bloody Marys, right? I love Bloody Marys. 
All right. So a michelada is basically a Bloody Mary, but instead of vodka, it's beer. It is a Mexican. Oh, sure. Yeah. No, I mean, like tomato beer has been around forever. Beer and tomato okay. juice. Yeah. So, yeah, but but they're, I, be, I believe it, its origin is Mexico. I'm not sure. But it, but the um, there is a there's a Hispanic neighborhood in Chicago. And based out of that neighborhood is a company called Big Mish. And uh, it is like a Michelin mix. And it's like you pour like a third in a glass and then you dump in like any light beer, like a Mick Ultra or like sure. a Modelo or a Corona or whatever. Dude, unbelievable. Uh, it, like it, ta it tastes like you're like eating a whole Mexican meal, but it's light and, uh, it, but it's got this spice. Dude, it's like the best thing. If you go to a Mexican restaurant and you can order a michelada, like do it. And if you, if you like really hate it, then maybe you got a bad one, but like, dude, I'm so into it. I'm like, I have become a, like, I'm so into it. It's so good. So good. Yeah. Casey, Casey and I have been doing a uh, ketogenic diet for the past like three and a half, four months now. Um, and I, I'm not going to get into it. Maybe at the start of next episode, we can talk about it. Uh, cause we're almost done with, with the amount of time we're going to be on it. Um, cause we're going on vacation at the end of the month and that's when we're stopping, but it is, so restrictive and stupid and i'm so ready to be done with it because there's all of these foods and stuff that i can't have and it's awful like i can't have beer i haven't been able to have beer for months i miss beer so much i miss beer so much don't get too wrecked in vegas oh i'll probably get wrecked in vegas okay uh -huh. like i said we're gonna be off the that's the whole point is like we were we were doing it to get to before before vegas to get up to vegas yeah so. to get to vegas sure it's worked. It's been good um, in terms of like results, but I'm just, I'm just so overeating. There's just so many things you can't eat. Did you know that like everything that we eat in America has carbohydrates in it? Yeah. All of them. All, yeah, all of the carbohydrates are everywhere. They're yeah, everywhere. So it turns out you're a diabetic. Um, you actually have to pay attention yeah, to those Yeah, it turns things. out I have to actually know how many carbs are. And I actually, it, it makes me so angry that like everywhere you go, they list the calorie count. And like, I don't care about calories. I want the yeah. carb count of everything you serve. And I, feel like, I feel like there's literally zero way that a, a type 1 diabetic could do the ketogenic diet because it keeps carbohydrates to like 30 grams and lower for most people. Somewhere between like 20 and 30 grams a day. Why couldn't I so, do that? Wouldn't that kill you? Wouldn't you be dead? No, I would just take less insulin. Like that much less insulin? When I, if I do like a really low carb diet, like what back in the day when I used to live alone and I would basically eat. Do um, like a protein diet? It was pretty much lean ground turkey meat or chicken breast and veggies like every sure. day. Um, yeah, I never had to, I never had to dose at a meal time and i just i lowered my like daily dose yeah i have like there's like a 24-hour long acting insulin that a lot of type 1 diabetics take that right. um basically just limits the like it, it it kind of evens out how much sugar is released in your body throughout the day so that it doesn't spike as much and if you dose correctly then um then yeah it doesn't go really erratic like if you don't take it and i eat something then it'll like shoot really high and then if i take like a short-term dose it'll like drop really fast and that's like, not good so um, but yeah, it, it, once you figure out that like average, I would take it. And then like, if I ate just meat and veggies, it would just like bump a little bit and then go back down a couple hours later and like, sure. Totally fine. Oh, so, so maybe this is the right diet for you. It was it's not really great. It's not. Don't be on this diet. It's terrible. <laughs> you don't get to eat anything. It's not fun. Awesome. Like I said, I'll, I can talk about it another time. Well, let's try this episode's to, already going long. So. Yeah, I don't know if we're going to 
be able to record before Gen Con. So maybe we'll record after. You're not making it to Gen Con this year, which we will miss you. That sucks. That's right, because it is the first time that we will have gone on vacation uh, alone in like two years. You and your wife, you mean? Yeah. Not you and me. No, go God, on no. Alone. God, no. Yeah. I wouldn't subject myself to that. Right. No, that'd be rough. So um, cool. But yeah, well, yeah. Gen Con is coming up, which because um, normally we would, we, you know, if we if we were trying to keep a biweekly schedule, we would try to record in two weeks. But in two weeks, we're both going to be on vacation. Yeah, I'll be gone. So after vacation, we'll do a vacation wrap up and then maybe talk about some more of the amazing games you've been playing. Maybe I will have played more Civ or maybe I'll be able to like review the full Shadowbringer storyline. I don't really know. Actually, we probably could record in two weekends because uh, that's the weekend before we're both gone. So. I'm out of town well, that weekend. Well, what are you doing? Why are you always so busy? See, I mean, it's not me. It's you. Yes. We're having the it's not me, it's you conversation, which is the opposite of the it's not you, it's me conversation. We could do next week. We could just go crazy with it. Oh, my gosh. You're you're I'm OK. That's fine. Let's do it. We'll figure something out. So but you will hear from us again soon because like, why not? Um, I'm, I'm into this. It's fun. And it turns out we're actually part of a podcast network. Did you know that? I kind of kind of forgot until you just reminded me. Remind me more. Tell me so, more. So we're on the Gonna Geek podcast network, which is a network of really good, well-produced, consistently released shows. I don't know why we're still on the network. Uh, I think we just haven't been kicked off because um, I actually have no idea. I have no idea why why we're still allowed to be That's a part a good of, this, point. of this incredible network of very like legitimately very good podcasts uh, that are that are entertaining and again consistently released. So, but here we are. Thankfully, we are we've been grandfathered in and remain part of the Gunna Geek Network, which now has a Discord server, which I am on pretty regularly. And there's actually a whole chat channel for Game Life Balance. I don't think John's on there ever, but um, but I'm on there sometimes. I'm, I mean, I'm on there. Yeah. I just, I just, don't talk, we're not big discord about, users i don't, I don't talk on there yeah i don't understand the platform that much i need to like sit down and read about really what it is and what it does it's just a, just a chat program you know it, but everybody but you re, you can reduce it to that but then when you get in there it's like i can't just chat with anybody right like you have to i don't understand it's chat rooms it's i'm a in that room i'm an old man okay well, I'm it, an old man. It's a chat room with these channels. That what is matter. an email? If you're on Discord, look in the show notes of today's episode and you can join the Gun and Geek Discord and talk to other hosts and learn about other shows. Especially if you're like into podcasting and you have interest in podcasting, there's a lot of like tips and advice you can get for doing shows and stuff. So that's pretty cool. Um, but some other shows that are on the Gun and Geek Podcast Network is All Things Good and Nerdy, which is actually a show that I guest start on it was like one of the first podcasts i ever appeared on uh, all things good and nerdy we go way back that's how i got introduced to the gonna geek network awesome show and on atgn 360 that's not the number of degrees that's the number of episodes on atgn 360 we just talk about it um so i'm look wow i'm looking at the promo sheet all right i gotta back up are you looking at this john i am okay so there's a there's an Excel spreadsheet, a shared Excel spreadsheet with a list of all the shows on the Guinea Geek Network, mm -hmm. their most recent episode title, and the copy for the promo for that episode to be like, okay, well, here's a description of like what the episode's about that you should go listen to. So in the All Things Good and Nerdy episode promo copy, it says, quote, I'm terribly sorry. I overwrote your promo copy due to a copy and paste fail. And then instead of hitting undo, I panicked and hit back 
like is in the back button on my browser. And when I came back, I couldn't hit undo. So like, I basically ruined your copy. I'm very, very sorry. Toodles. Rob from Game Life Balance Australia. Rob, <laughs> what are you doing? Um, fortunately, fortunately, and, and, the, and so then I go, S -s what is going on? So then I open up. Then, then there's a, then there's in the next cell, there's a link to the episode. So despite Rob's failure, I go and click the link to the episode because I'm sure I can just read from this episode what the description is. For sure. It links me to an episode from February 2017, which is not their most recent episode. This is more than a hundred episodes old. I don't <laughs> know why this is in the promo sheet. Um, so I guess go listen to all things good and nerdy. It's a good show, like actually, um, but I, I don't know what it's about this week. Um, Legends of S.H.I.E.L.D., a Marvel Comic Universe podcast, episode 278, Runaways Tsunami. Same comment in the promo copy that Rob overwrote it. <laughs> and you can also find the Starling Tribune, a CW Network Arrow television show fan podcast. And on Starling Tribune number 237, Arrow Lost Canary, Rob ruined the copy. So, like, I, oh my God. All right, there's one show with copy, and it is Game Life Balance Australia? Australia? Australia. Are you saying Rob did not accidentally overwrite their own copy? It's like Rob sabotaged the entire Gunna Geek network just to promote episode 85, Hler Chicken. This week, the lads discuss the Shantae franchise, Magic the Gathering, car registration, Thailand's worrying obsession with Nazi imagery, divisive snack foods, the answer to all social problems in America, spoilers, it's more guns, the battery capacity of a lightsaber, cultural misappropriation, Rob's burgeoning switch lust, and AC's fancy new monitor. What um, what's <laughs> controversial about snack? Like what what's a controversial snack food? Tell me. I I haven't listened to like I'm a no no no. Behind. I'm asking you what what you believe a controversial snack food is. Candy corn. Is that a snack food? Every year on WGN Radio, Brian and I get in a fight on air about candy corn. He because it's it. awful. Because yes. it's awful. Because it tastes. I it agree tastes like you're you. eating a candle. A it's candle horrendous. with sugar. He in. loved it. Brian like looks forward to candy corn every year. I've got people at my work that do too, and I never understand it ever. It's disgusting. I don't know what's wrong with any of these people. Like, it's yeah, it's not for me. Candy corn so what's, is not. What's for me. controversial yeah. about it? You and I both agree, and we're literally the only opinions that matter. I know. Well, there are dumb people in the world. There always will be. Sure. With wrong opinions. I don't know. I mean, I shot my phone. It's fine. Um, look, I, I love Game Life Balance Australia. I'm not going to lie. I'm so far behind on all of my podcasts because I've been, um, been working from home a lot and podcasts are on my commute. Now, right. I also listen to podcasts when I'm playing Final Fantasy fourteen. but since I can't concentrate on both things very well, like if I'm leveling or doing something repetitive, um, I tend to listen to um, podcasts that I don't care about as much, like where if I tune out, it doesn't really matter. I do the so, same thing. I do the yeah. same thing. What, what, are you, what have you been listening to? I, I mean, I listen to um, the Jordan B. Peterson podcast. My sta my standard 
podcast rotation, things like uh, stuff you should know and Freakonomics oh, lore. I hate that show. I know. I know you do. I know you do. that's why I didn't want to talk about it because okay. I I didn't right. want to I didn't want to bristle bristle yeah. your hackle. I didn't want to bristle your hackles. Is that yeah? Hackles? You also listen to the Jordan B. Peterson podcast a lot. I do. Wash your dicks. You you want to know a fun fact? The um the podcast awards are open for nominations. The 2019 podcast awards. I'm not going to nominate Jordan B. Peterson's podcast. Oh, it gets better. Uh, Curiosity Daily, the show I do last year at one best science and medicine podcast. Um, if you want to go vote for it at podcastawards.com, love mm -hmm. it. But um, so we are finalists or we're trying to become finalists in, in two categories, basically educational and science and medicine. Again, we were finalists in both of those last year. Uh, so last year we won science and medicine. Really cool. You know, this, and I always look at who else is nominated and who's our competition. And last year we won one category, didn't win another. That's cool. Okay. So this year, one of the other finalists, like one of the other options to select in the category of best educational podcast for 2019 is the Jordan B. Peterson podcast. So you are one of them and the Jordan B. Peterson podcast is one of them. So Curiosity Daily, a science-based podcast from a popular science website where you learn something new in 10 minutes a day that one best science podcast last year is now a finalist in the educational category against the Jordan B. Peterson podcast. I'm so sorry. So I'm not really happy about that yeah. because he's wildly popular and will very likely, I think, win. He sounds uh, like Kermit the Frog. He, you know, like, and I don't even really dislike him. Like, I, I'm not like a hater at all. Like, mm -hmm. at all. Like, really. But... I think maybe next year the podcast awards categories should perhaps be revised. It's a podcast. Isn't podcasting so weird? Podcasting, there's yeah. zero regulation on any of it. You're not FCC regulated. So it's such a weird, it's a weird thing. Yeah, it's, weird it's, thing. it's kind of a bad, dumb industry. I don't know why we do it. <sighs> because oh, it's fun. Because it's it, fun. It is very. And apparently if you go to gunninggeek.com slash discord, that'll bring you right to the discord server or give you links or something. So yeah. I just realized that. Didn't Didn't know that. I didn't. Cool. I didn't either. Awesome. Um, you know what's not up for a podcast award is this show or our sister show starring a guy who just deletes promos from other shows. Rob, That's true. I'm ashamed of you, really. But no, Game of Balance Australia releases consistently every two weeks. They are very funny and really great, and I I feel really bad because like we, you know, you remember how Sony had to release a Spider Man movie every so often to keep the Spider Man license? Yes. That that's us. In order to keep calling ourselves Game Life Balance US, we have to release an episode once every nine months. So that's the only reason we're doing this, really. It's true. You know, you know, AC, you know how AC asked for your address to send you a very personalized gift? Yeah. Did he did he ask for my address to send me a very personalized gift? Because he did. Maybe. He sent, he sent me he sent me a, an NES lunchbox, which he he hollowed out an NES and made a lunchbox out of it with a handle. Oh my god! And he made me he he made me a whiskey stone, that's a die, which is it's beautiful. He made it. So he has a picture. He sent me a picture of his brother like uh, etching it, but I'll I'll show it next week or the next time that we record. I'll get it and make sure I show it to you. But it's pretty incredible. It's pretty incredible. He is. He's a I, good dude. Irony aside, he is a, an extraordinarily good human being. Yes. Like yes, he he's a good dude. I, I had a dream like a, several months back that I was visiting him. 
like actually like, went to Australia and like got picked up somewhere by Rob and was like going to ACs to like hang out. I mean, now that we, you know, I think it's far more interesting for us to go to Australia than it probably is for them to come to the United States uh, because we live in a dystopian hellscape. But uh, one of these times we should consider since we know people there. Oh, I've been maybe, considering it. Maybe, no, we I, go, I, maybe we go to Australia together. I mean, you know, if it weren't for the fact that there is literally nowhere else on the planet that is further away to fly to, I don't think, well, maybe Madagascar. I'm looking at my giant world map on my wall and I'm kind of trying to chart this out. It's a toss up. But yeah, if, if it wasn't literally as far away as you could possibly go, then um, it, w- it would be much higher on the list of considerations. But like, no, I, I mean, I, I, think, uh, I think I'd make it sometime. The problem is it's so close to New Zealand. And then it's like, why is that a problem? That doesn't seem like it should be a problem. Why is that a problem? problem Because it's competition. New Zealand is competition. Just go to both. You don't go. It's not like you'd go to Australia multiple times in your life, like most likely. So just take it as like a two week thing and do both. Look, I can either hang out with. They might have some really bad things to say about New Zealand. I don't know if they like each other very much. I think there was that Kiwi war. um, Right. And uh, that was like, you know, I think it. I think it took its toll on the relationship between those two countries. It did. It's like, do I want to fly across the world to to visit an actual hobbit in New Zealand or someone who just kind of looks like a hobbit sometimes when he doesn't shave in Australia? I'm talking about Rob. Hobbits delete promos. So go listen to Game Life Balance Australia, GameLifeBalanceAustralia.com. This has been a 95-minute commercial for uh, that show. How What are we at? This is an epic uh, episode. But you know what? It's been a long time. Yeah, we needed one. Still an average of 10 minutes a month. <laughs> so this is fun. Uh, we'll be back sometime soon. And hey, listen, in the interim, even if it takes John and I like a month and a half to release a new episode, um, I will still be editing and posting that episode, uh, the interview with the Cornell University professor about music, uh, music and video games, composing music and sound design and video games. I, I know that's also what the last interview was about, but this is a different like kind of research based like psychology uh, interview about it so it should be good times i'm sure it'll be very interesting yeah it'll be interesting enough anyway, yeah that was fun do we do something else to wrap up or no no, no oh, we, we did <laughs> i mean i mean i think we're supposed to say or do you read that yeah i think you memorized it though actually right uh, uh, sure yeah i remember exactly what that read is i think we're supposed to say thank you and really thank you for coming back to us and this many months later but thank you for listening to the game life balance us podcast the american edition of the game life balance podcast if you had fun then please tell one friend about this podcast and that's all we ask you can learn more about game life balance including our sister show in australia that uh cody just talked about for 97 minutes at gamelifebalance.us mm-hmm. or you can check us out at, uh you can check out game life balance and lots of other geeky shows on the Gonna Geek Network that we just talked about at gunnageek.com. Your clapper's not working. The, uh, the, lights, the lights stayed on. Congratulations, Jonathan. You have closed this episode of Game Life Balance with the promo copy. And now we will enter the era of more podcasting. What?